we bring on the bone coach, Kevin Ellis. somebody is trying to restore their bone loss, right? You have to have calcium present to help rebuild that bone. It's just something that has to be there. Calcium and protein have to be present. And you're, if you're trying to get as much as you possibly can from your food, you might still be falling short, especially if you still have digestive issues. So it could be a situation where supplementing calcium can be helpful. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper. Thank you for pressing play today. I am your host, Ben Azadi, over at benazadi.com. Today, we have a great episode with Kevin Ellis, who is the one, the only bone coach. Osteopenia, osteoporosis, bone density. This is the episode for you. We took a deep dive into the importance of bone quality and bone health. And Kevin has an amazing story he's going to share with you after being diagnosed with osteoporosis at the age of 31 and being a male. Typically, you think of osteoporosis as a 65-year-old woman who gets diagnosed. This is a 31-year-old man who got diagnosed, and he made the decision not to follow conventional wisdom and to find the root cause, to build back his bones and to teach the world how to prevent and how to reverse osteopenia and osteoporosis. Today's episode, we dive deep into his story. We dive deep into the difference between osteopenia and osteoporosis, the root causes for osteoporosis, why the loss of estrogen during perimenopause to menopause can be a contributor to bone loss. We get into what medications do to bone density, poor diet and nutrition, the gut microbiome. We could be taking the best supplements and eating the best foods in the world, but if we have leaky gut and we're not able to assimilate those nutrients, it could lead to lack of bone density, which could cause osteopenia, osteoporosis. We talk about environmental factors, vitamin D, the importance of testing that, why Kevin loves coconut oil, green leafy vegetables. We also get into discussion, is there a link between anti-nutrients like oxalates binding to calcium and osteoporosis? Stay tuned for that answer. Why collagen might be a problem for some and much, much more. Kevin was so generous and he has a 50-minute masterclass which is typically for women 45 to 65 plus, but I think men would benefit from it. He provides a three-step blueprint for building stronger bones in this 50-minute masterclass. So here's what I want you to do, Keto Camper. Listen to today's episode in full, and then take a deeper dive by enrolling into his free masterclass, which we'll reference during the conversation, and we'll drop a link for you in the podcast notes down below. You're going to love Kevin, his heart, his purpose, his mission, his company. It was a very informative and fun conversation. And I believe it's important and long overdue. So I'm so glad we covered it. Finally, episode 404 on the Keto Camp Podcast. Before I bring on Kevin, I want to take a minute to get to the Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. This five-star review comes from Burn Sal, titled, Information is Amazing. As a two-year ketoite, I have been on an ongoing search for the most specific and current information. It's here for newbies, you can find great basic episodes for intermediates like myself. This is specifically for me and why I'm here. I'm well on my way to advance. Thanks to Ben. The guests are amazing. Thank you so much, Burnsow. You're right. We have a podcast that's for beginners, intermediate, advanced. 
we do a good job, I believe, of extracting the cutting edge research and giving it to you in bite-sized nuggets. So I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you leaving that rating and review. If you have not left the Keto Camp Podcast a rating and review as of yet, please do so right now. All right, let's talk about your bone health with Kevin Ellis. Kevin Ellis is the founder of Bone Coach, which is trademarked, and he's an osteoporosis thriver. He's an integrative nutrition certified health coach, stronger bone solution program instructor, osteoporosis thriver, and founder of Bone Coach TM. He has made it his mission to help over 1 million people around the globe address bone loss, build bone strength, stop fearing fractures, and lead active lives. He's most famous for helping people with osteopenia and osteoporosis gain clarity and confidence that improving is possible. And he's going to share it all for you right now. Here's Kevin Ellis. Kevin Ellis, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast, my friend. Ben, thanks so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. This is a very important topic. I hope everybody watching and listening is paying attention to this conversation. It's the first time we're going to deep dive into this topic. And it's important, not just for women, but for men. And you're going to make the point with your story why it's not just women who have this issue. So before we get into all of the nitty gritty of bone density, osteoporosis, etc., let's go back to your life when you were actually in your mom's womb, five months in your mom's belly. What happened at that time in your life with your parents? Yeah, I, I mean, that's really when my health journey started for me. My When my mother was five months pregnant with me, my father was told he had cancer. And two months after I was born, he, he passed away. He was 35 years old. And, you know, for me, when that happens at a young age, you know, I had this fear my entire life that I was going to just follow down that same path, uh, you know, and not be able to experience the joys of being a father. And, uh, you know, I've got young kids myself. And uh, I was really devastated. And for me at that, you know, I ended up getting diagnosed with osteoporosis in my early 30s, a super, super young age. And I was devastated at that point in time because, you know, for the most of my life, I grew up, uh, I worked on a farm when I was a kid. I did a lot of hard work there. Uh, I did have an abusive stepfather who, you know, that wasn't a good situation. I ended up going into the Marine Corps and, you know, was in the infantry for multiple years and multiple deployments. So I, I really identified as this person who was tough and somebody who could really endure. And, you know, when I was told I had osteoporosis, I felt like in a single fell swoop, you know, that identity was taken from me, just stripped away. And that's really, I knew I had to do something because I had kids and I wanted to be there for them. And I had, at the same time, I had, you know, gut health issues, poor energy, not sleeping well, high stress, all these other things that were, that were going on in my life. And I knew I had to address all of those things uh, to really start getting a plan in place. So I did the research, consulted with a lot of people, spent a lot of money trying to figure all this stuff out, and finally ended up getting the right plan in place for me, for my health, for my bones, started making improvements. And it was at that point when I realized that it's usually not the average, you know, 30 year old male that's diagnosed with osteoporosis. It's usually the woman who's 50, 60 years old that's going and getting this diagnosis. And at that point of diagnosis, what's typically recommended is calcium, vitamin D, walking, and a bone drug. And usually there's some story around fractures being, you know, someone's destiny in their future. And it doesn't paint a good picture. And, you know, there's a whole lot more to it than that. Uh, and that, that recommendation is really woefully inadequate. And it's for that reason that I started Bone Coach and BoneCoach.com. Yeah, it's interesting because conventional medicine, you know, there's a time and place for it, but it seems like the more you dig deep into the traditional ways of uh, treating a symptom, the more you realize it's com the complete opposite or it's it's not the right way to get to the root cause, your point exactly. So when you were 31 years old in that doctor's office, what was your first thought? Like, this has to be a mistake because your doctor actually told you this is going to be an issue for you, right? He's already giving that fear and that auto suggestion that there's no way to really 
you know, overcome this. So what was your first initial thought? And then how did you respond to him saying or her saying, this is going to be an issue for you? You know, what, what was really interesting is the first interaction I had with somebody telling me that was through a letter in the mail, not a phone call, not in person, nothing else. It was a physician's assistant from gastroenterology who had written a note and just said, uh, you know, you've got osteoporosis. We think you should go on a gluten-free diet. And that was the initial interaction I had. And the reason we even looked at that or had a bone density scan in the first place, because it's not typically going to be run in somebody who's younger, is because of celiac disease, malabsorption of nutrients for many, many years, you know, elevated liver enzymes and some other, th some other things that we were looking at. And they made that suggestion. We were thinking it was just going to be a check in the box, right? Nothing was going to come back. It was going to come back normal. We were just running it. And sure enough, got the results back and was told I have osteoporosis. And that was really the, the starting point of all this. So, and then I, I decided, okay, I need to go in. I need to learn a little bit more about this. And I had a conversation with a doctor in person. We did another bone density scan and actually confirmed at that point that that was the diagnosis. And it was really at that point where the options were medication was going to be in my future. Fractures were most likely going to be in my future. It was going to be an issue for me. And that's where a lot of people are when they get told they have osteopenia or osteoporosis. So, And, it, and it, you know, it's tough because the white coat comes in and tells you this is what it is. This is what, what's going to happen. You know, take these drugs. We could probably slow it down and help a little bit, but it's just a matter of time before you, you face some of these challenges. And what part of you didn't want to accept that? Like, is that part of your personality trait? Like at what point throughout going through the conventional approach, did you realize, okay, this is not getting to the root cause. I'm going to figure out a way to actually overcome this and then share it with the world, which is what you're doing. Yeah. And I mean, I have, for most of my life, I had, you know, thought that the answer to the whatever it was, was at the pharmacy or was with my doctor or whatever. I, I've gone that route before my entire life. And I didn't want to take medication, not for you know a week, not for a year, not for five to 10 years, not for a lifetime. Because when I had gone that route before, for like I said, the great majority of my life, I believed that the solution to what ailed me was at the pharmacy. When I had pain in my joints and knees and lower back, I'd reach for 800 milligram ibuprofen or painkillers multiple times a day. I took proton pump inhibitors to unnecessarily suppress my stomach acid. I took sleeping pills, antidepressants, antibiotics, countless other medications to help address the signs and symptoms of conditions without ever under, you know, addressing that underlying issue. And I temporarily would receive those benefits, but along with the side effects, but then I never really received complete resolution of those issues because I was just covering up the cause. And eventually, that really led to a disenchantment with the type of medical care I was accustomed to. And I really just wanted to divest myself from thinking that the solution to my health was in a pill. And, you know, that was really my personal journey and thought process. And then you add in there, my background of just, you know, being a Marine and being somebody who just has that personal identity of somebody who's tough and can endure, I just was like, I'll figure this out. Which is... Uh... A great thing to have because you did figure it out and now you're, you're helping so many people. So I, I love that. And, and you're right. The Band-Aid approach, it doesn't make any sense. And there's a time and place for it. You know, we're not knocking all doctors in conventional medicine at all. There, it's, you know, it's very important. But if the check engine light comes on in your car, you don't just, you know, cover it up with a Band-Aid and keep driving. That'll lead to big problems. Same thing with medications and all, all these Band-Aids. They're not getting to the root cause. You mentioned that your liver enzymes were high. I have a question. I'm just curious. Is there a relationship between poor liver health, uh, elevated liver enzymes and a uh, bone density loss? Or was that just because a part of your poor lifestyle nutrition, they happened to be up and it just your stress bucket was just getting full? Part of that was because of celiac disease. Okay. So and that was one of the reasons for the increase in my and in the elevation of my liver enzymes. Um, so and that was what led us down the path. I haven't looked specifically at if X liver enzyme is a contributor to, you know, X effect on bone mineral density, but at least we knew at that point, my gut health was adversely impacting my bone health. 
Yeah, let's get into that topic of gut health, right? A lot of people who are listening, who are watching here on YouTube, they're probably dealing with some digestive issues. And we know the majority of the population, especially in America, have leaky gut. So how does your digestion relate to your bone density? What's the what's the relationship there? Yeah, so I mean, if you think of your our bodies and our bones as being like plants, right? In order to grow, they need nutrients and the right conditions, right? Most people focus so much on the nutrients, the salads, the smoothies, the supplements, they're not considering the soil. And our gut is like the soil. That's where we're absorbing almost everything. So when we take in food or supplements, we're going to break that down into smaller pieces in our mouth. It's, you know, it's going to get turned in this acidic mix to break it down even further. And then it makes its way to our small intestine, the soil. And that's where nutrients are broken down to their smallest form to be absorbed by us, right? The plants. But in order to absorb anything, you need roots in your soil. And our roots are called villi. And they're these tiny little hair-like projections that cover our small intestine. And they're responsible for absorbing nutrients. They absorb the nutrients from the food that you eat. And then they shuttle those nutrients into your bloodstream so they can travel where they're needed in your body, whether that's for healing a cut on your hand or growing your hair or fingernails, or in this case, rebuilding stronger bones. And the job of these, these roots, our villi, is so important that the total surface area they use to absorb nutrients is the size of a football field. How amazing is that, right? Yeah. But when you have poor digestion and your gut health isn't optimal, you're not gonna be able to properly break down that food. And when you can't properly break down the food, nutrients aren't gonna be available. And if nutrients aren't available, the villi aren't gonna be able to absorb them and the body's not gonna have the raw materials and resources it needs to rebuild stronger, healthier bones. So you really have to start with, are nutrients making it to your soil? Right. So if you are somebody who has bloating or belching or burping or excessive gas or diarrhea after meals, or even if you feel like food just sits in your stomach and stagnates for a really long time, you could have low stomach acid and age, stress, nutrient deficiencies, gut infections. Those can all be contributors to that. And I had just mentioned this. You know, do you know what one of the best indicators for low stomach acid is? Is reflux. And a lot of people who have reflux, what do they take for it? PPIs, proton pump inhibitors, Tums, Prilosec, Prevacid, Nexium, Omeprazole. Like most people who take PPIs, for me, I was mistakenly suppressing what little stomach acid I did have. And the reason that's a problem is because you need stomach acid to properly break down and extract nutrients from your food, like amino acids. Amino acids are the building blocks of protein. And our bones are 50% protein by volume. So you need amino acids, right? Calcium, primary mineral constituent of our bones. If you've got low stomach acid, that's going to reduce its absorption. Same thing with magnesium, iron, B12. So that's one of the main initial parts of coming in. And then there's also things like, you know, dealing with the microbiome. And are you getting the right nutrients in the right amounts and all those things? We could talk about those too if you'd like. Yeah, I would like to get into that for sure. So I also want to get into, you know, glyphosate and GMO foods. What impact does that have on the gut when in, and in turn on our bone density? Yeah, I mean, for glyphosate, obviously broad spectrum herbicide, crop desiccant, sprayed on certain foods associated with increased cancer risk. Animal studies find specifically glyphosate is, is disrupting beneficial gut bacteria. And what's more is that harmful bacteria seem to be highly resistant to glyphosate. Um, and then it's a chelator of minerals also. So there's multiple things working there that are not in our favor, you know, especially for your health and for your bones. So if you go to environmental working group, you look up at least their clean 15 from a budget perspective too. If you can get organic in those foods, the clean 15 and avoid the dirty dozen, that's where you want to aim. If you listen to my podcast for some time, you have heard me talking about these digestive enzymes called masszymes from bioptimizers. Masszymes are naturally derived enzymes that digest proteins, starches, sugars, fibers, and fats. And these have been a life changer for my digestion. Whether I'm eating carnivore or keto or flexing out of ketosis, masszymes makes a big difference for me and my digestive system's ability to 
process and digest the nutrients I am consuming. For those of you who have never tried Masszymes, it is your chance to listen up. This month only, Keto Camp podcast listeners can get a free bottle of Masszymes. Bioptimizers, the makers of Masszymes, are offering a challenge for my Keto Camp podcast listeners. They are offering a free bottle, and all you have to do is pay the shipping fee. That's it, really. No other purchases required. Their challenge is simple. Try Masszymes and see all of the positive changes of enhanced digestion and nutrient absorption. If your digestion issues, gas, bloating, and fatigue after meals are not gone after you take a full bottle, you've lost nothing. But if they are, your life is back on track. To get your free bottle of Masszymes, head over to masszymes.com slash ketofree and enter the coupon code KETOCAMP10. That's it. We'll drop that link down below with the coupon code. So go give it a shot. Let's see what it does for your digestive system. It's masszymes.com slash ketofree with the coupon code KETOCAMP10. All right, let's get back to the conversation. What are some, uh, and we're not going to give it all away because you teach us in your courses, but in terms of the gut, what are maybe a couple of things that the audience could do today to start improving their gut function? Yeah, you can, I mean, number one is figure out where your, your stomach acid is. There are a couple different tests that you can do. Some of them you can do through your physician. Other ones, like some of them involve swallowing a capsule to test your stomach acid levels. Other ones include, you know, doing different tests to find out what your stomach acid levels are. That's one of the first ones. And if you do have low stomach acid, you can supplement with betaine HCL, right? So that's that would be and pepsin, uh, and that would be one thing that you could do. You could also use some some digestive enzymes and things like that to help break down your food. Those are some really important ones. Uh, I'm trying to think here too. Get some gut health testing done, right? You can't address something if we go back to the analogy of the the roots and the soil and things like that. If your soil has a bad balance of bugs, maybe bad bugs that are present. So like pathogenic bacteria and things like that, or maybe you've got good bugs in the wrong place. So like SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or small intestinal fungal overgrowth or something like that, that could be something else that's damaging the microvilli and preventing you from absorbing nutrients. So we first need to get one of those digestive stool tests done to understand what's actually going on inside your microbiome. So Genova uh, Diagnostics has a great one. GI Map is one. There's a gut zoomer test. You can get some, some objective data to really understand what's going on there. Then you'll work with a practitioner to build a protocol around that. Yeah, so important. And all those tests are great. I, I use the gut zoomer personally, but all three tests are fantastic. You know, what about the person, I want to hear your thoughts on this, the person who drives to work every morning, they stop at Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks and they get coffee every morning, a couple cups, 16 ounces, that we know the coffee probably has mold, mycotoxins, potentially heavy metals, probably herbicides and pesticides, and coffee could also chelate some minerals. So can that be an issue with bone health? Yeah, coffee, a lot of people ask me all the time, do I have to completely stop drinking coffee? The answer is no, right? You don't have to completely stop drinking coffee. It's usually caffeine that most people are, uh, that's the big concern when it comes to coffee. So caffeine is going to very slightly increase calcium excretion, and it's going to decrease gastrointestinal absorption of calcium. And most people don't need to completely avoid coffee. I typically highlight it as a drink less, but if you've got caffeine intakes of greater than 300 milligrams a day, a cup of coffee is typically going to have what 100 to 250 milligrams a day. But if you're talking about the big boys, you know, yeah, it might have a little bit more in there. But that's going to increase the amount of calcium excreted in the urine, and it will increase the risk for osteoporosis-related fractures only if we're not meeting adequate daily calcium intake. So that's really the big concern when it comes to coffee uh, and caffeine. So I would say in terms of the things that you brought up, those are absolutely important. You need to be looking for the best quality things. Like if you're going to be purchasing or consuming coffee, you want to make sure you're getting the right stuff. And it's probably not going to be a Dunkin' Donuts. So yeah, yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah, good, good point. So that's good news for you all. You don't have to get rid of coffee. I love my coffee. Uh, and maybe you add in some extra minerals on the days that you drink coffee. What I do is I actually add some 
sea salt and electrolytes to my coffee, right? Because I'm going to lose some, I'm going to put some back in. So it's a good way to replenish it. So should everybody be getting a bone density scan? And if the yes, I mean, what age should we start doing that? Yeah, so I would say the earlier, the better, right? So I'm and I would say probably around 30, 40, something like that. It, it's a good idea to just get an idea of where you're at. Because a lot of times what happens is the most of the people that I'm working with, they're women 45 to 65 plus. And when they're coming to us, they just had a DEXA scan. And a lot of times they're shocked when maybe before, if we had some objective data earlier on, there could have been some preventative things that we could have done from a younger age. So, and just to even give an overview of what a bone density scan is. So when someone is told that they have osteoporosis, that, that literally means porous bone, right? So it's, it's going to be either not enough bone formation, excessive bone loss, or it's a combination of the two. And the way you find out you have osteoporosis is through what we just said, a DEXA scan, dual energy X-ray absorptiometry. It's a painless test, kind of like an X-ray, but very low levels of radiation. You lay down on a machine, the machine does a scan, that tells you your bone mineral density, the actual mineral content of your bone. And then what it does is it generates a score. And that score is called a T-score. And the T-score is going to tell you how much your bone mass differs from the bone mass of an average, healthy 30-year-old adult. That's probably right around peak bone mass, okay? A score of plus one or minus one or zero, that's normal, healthy, young adult range. If you're negative one to negative 2.5, that indicates you have low bone mass or oftentimes called osteopenia, which is a precursor to osteoporosis. And then if you have a, a T-score of negative 2.5 or lower, negative 2.6, negative 2.7, so on and so forth, that indicates you have osteoporosis. And the greater that negative number becomes, the more severe the osteoporosis. So most women, like I said, they're getting these done at 50s and 60s as a check in the box. Their doctor is going to order them. But if you haven't had one yet, I would highly recommend get one. Understand where you're at now. So you don't have a big shock at some point down the road. And maybe you find out something that you can start addressing now because you can build bone strength at any age. It just becomes more challenging as you get older. There are fewer cells involved in that process. That process becomes less efficient. So the more we can be on the side of prevention and not reaction, the better. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the way you explain the difference between osteopenia which is kind of like pre-diabetes and then osteoporosis, diabetes. And if you want to think of it, that relationship, do you remember what your test was, your score when you did it at 31? Yeah. Um, gosh, negative 3.4, my lower lumbar uh, at, at that point was the lowest score that I had, which was, wow. you know, yeah. And you can, you can absolutely make progress and improvement. What most people think is, especially when people come to me, is they have sometimes unrealistic expectations of what's physiologically possible in a given time period. So a lot of people may have uh, low bone density and say, I want to reverse osteoporosis in X period of time. You can improve your bone strength, but if you see three to 5% improvement in a year or a year and a half or two years, that's really good, right? Three to 5% improvement. That's really good. Beyond that is it's challenging, right? The only situations where you might have a little bit higher, but then diminishing returns would be if you are leading a sedentary lifestyle, You are, maybe you have some underlying issues, uh, and then you go and address those things, you could see uh, a, a bit more of an improvement. But again, that's going to have diminishing returns there. So what are the stats right now with with osteoporosis, osteope osteopenia in America? What are uh, the common stats, maybe for like a six-year-old woman? What percentage of them have this? Um, you know, I... <laughs> I can't remember the exact numbers, but I would say it's quite a few people um, that have it. tens of millions of people that have osteoporosis, at least in, in the U.S. And who knows how many actually aren't aware. Right, exactly. Right? Those are the people that we know about. What about the ones that have underlying conditions or, you know, and, and they might not even be aware yet? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Same thing with diabetes, right? They say 60% of Americans are pre-diabetic or diabetic, but that's the people who are actually getting lab work done. What about those who are not testing? Same thing with this. Exactly. Let's talk about the ladies listening who are 45 years old right now. They're at perimenopause or making that transition to postmenopause. And we know that estrogen is steeply in decline as you make this transition. So how does that 
relate to what happens with bone density loss? Yeah, so a lot of times, um, there are a couple different types of osteoporosis. And the one that you're touching on here is primary osteoporosis. So primary osteoporosis is typically related to the decrease in estrogen in postmenopausal women. Estrogen has a protective effect on bone. When estrogen levels decrease, as they do during menopause, it's going to cause an increase in the activity level of cells that break down bone. Okay, then, but then there's a whole nother cause of osteoporosis, which is secondary osteoporosis. And that's where bone loss and osteoporosis occurs as a result of other conditions, disorders, medications, diseases, things like that. And most people, we can't just make an assumption that it's just hormones. And I hear this a lot. People will go into their physicians and just say, oh, you know, it's that point in your life, you know, loss of hormones, let's go on this medication. But there's actually more that can be done in those situations. And we also have to make sure that there's not something else underlying. Because I've seen situations where people have gone on medication and have still lost bone density because they didn't address the underlying issue. Uh, so hormones are absolutely important. Uh, and that's that's something where, you know, not every situation is, is right for every person to work with bioidentical hormone replacement therapy or something like that. But you would have that conversation with maybe a functional medicine practitioner, naturopathic physician, somebody like that to help get some guidance in that area to see if it's even right for you. Yeah, well said. What about vitamin D? Where does vitamin D play into this? Because vitamin D technically is a steroid hormone. So how does that factor in here? Yeah, that's one of the most important nutrients, right, for our overall health and well-being and, and bone health. I mean, vitamin D for bones specifically, that's going to increase the intestinal absorption of calcium. It's going to reduce urinary excretion of calcium. It's going to promote higher bone mineral density. It's going to uh, slow bone loss, lower fracture risk, improve your muscle strength. And it plays a super important role in gene expression, right? It's helping cells communicate properly, and it's reducing chronic inflammation, which improves gut function, improves gut health. So all these things tie together, you know, or connected in some way to bone health. And usually it's not like a single nutrient, obviously has one impact on one system of the body or one area of the body. And you can see how all those things are kind of interconnected there. Yeah, fascinating. Vitamin D, and not to mention all the other amazing benefits it does for the immune system, hormones, etc. So vitamin D, by the way, speaking of conventional medicine, if somebody goes and gets their vitamin D levels done, sometimes they don't even check it. Let's say it's a 32. I'm, I'm thinking of American units, a 32. I believe it's milligrams per deciliters. And their doctor is going to say, oh, you're within the range, which is like 30 to 70, 30 to 100. 30 to 100. But, yeah. <laughs> but that is a clear deficiency. Even like 40 is a deficiency. I, I want to see it over 60, even 50 is okay. But that's a problem. Have you seen that to be the case as well? Yeah, that happens all the time. All the time. And people are told that it's normal. I was told it was normal. Right. I had uh, my vitamin D levels were, I don't know, like 28 and 30 NGML. And I was told, you know, it's that's fine. You'll be okay. And then I see the other end of the spectrum where people are, are at 100 or even over 100. If you have too much vitamin D, that can contribute to bone loss. Uh, you really need to watch that, uh, that too. So, but it's important to state that you probably won't get to a too much vitamin D if you're getting it from natural sunlight and food. That's probably from like supplementation, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely supplementation because some people have little droppers or pills or things like that. And they've just conditioned themselves to take, you know, 5,000 or 10,000 IU, depending on where you're located in the world, every single day. That's a lot, right? And especially if you're metabolizing that and it's it's doing everything that it needs to do and you're actually taking those levels in, that's, that's going to be an issue. Yeah. And you know, another issue I've seen, Kevin, through some research that shows if you're just taking vitamin D through supplement, and I'm not opposed to taking vitamin D, but if you're taking it every day, 5,000 international units, 10,000 international units, but you're not taking it with the other fat soluble, uh, fat soluble vitamins, A, E, and K, it'll create a functional deficiency in those because they compete for the same receptor sites, don't they? That's right. 100%. So it's best to get it through food and sunshine and maybe a whole complex of fat soluble vitamins, but also because we're the Keto Camp podcast, doing keto or a low carb, high fat diet, just getting your insulin down in general is going to help your body convert the vitamin D into a usable form because insulin actually blocks the first process to convert vitamin D to be used by the body, right? So that's why it's important to do all the things we're teaching here, which is uh, important. Keep that insulin hormone down. Absolutely. 
Hey, Keto Camper, it is time to get your shift together. What do I mean? Sugar Shift is a unique probiotic designed as a working system to convert the sugars, glucose, and fructose in your gut to the free radical scavenger mannitol, which also feeds a healthy gut microbiome, supports the mitochondria, and by the way, it increases the production of butyrate, which helps protect the gut lining and is one of the main ketone bodies. You heard of it, beta-hydroxybutyrate. This is one of my favorite formulas. It's an eight-strain formula built as a working system to provide specific gut functions, and it's unique in its probiotic formulation. One of my favorite things about this product is that it breaks down and detoxifies glyphosate. The product also includes strains that has been shown to improve muscle mass and support changes in body mass. I've used it with several of my Keto Camp Academy students and they have reported to me it's helped them with their sugar cravings, it helped them with their transition from sugar burner to fat burner, helps to keep them in ketosis and take the results to another level, helps when they hit a plateau, improves digestion. In a recent study, BiotaQuest, the company that makes Sugar Shift, showed huge improvements in blood sugar reduction, A1C, reduction, also reducing LPS, which is an endotoxin that can create inflammation in your body. If you'd like to get your hands on a bottle of Sugar Shift from BiotiQuest, head to BiotiQuest.com, which is spelled B-I-O-T-I-Q-U-E-S-T, and then put the coupon code CAMP, K-A-M-P-1-0 at checkout, and also check out their other products as well. We'll drop links down below with the coupon code in the podcast notes. So let's get into anti-nutrients, right? I think carnivore is a great tool. I know that plants have defense mechanisms and I understand that. I don't think we should avoid them forever, but let's say somebody does have severe leaky gut and they're not aware. They're having their raw spinach and kale and smoothies every single day. What, what kind of problem that, can that create? Yeah, I mean, oxalates are an anti-nutrient right? They're, they're going to bind up bone healthy minerals like calcium. So even if we're just talking in general about general health, they can cause issues for people, especially if you have digestive problems. And if you've got kidney issues with kidney stones or arthritis or joint pain, those can even be some indicators that you have a hard time breaking down and degrading oxalate, or you could be actually producing you know, an excess amount of them. But some of the foods that I know people eat a lot, our, our spinach is one of the, the most, most common ones I see. People go get a big bag of spinach. They eat it every single day. And I'll tell you if, you, don't, if you don't have the ability to break down and degrade that oxalate, or if you don't have the gut bacteria or the gut flora too, like oxalobacter formagenes is one of those gut bacteria, you're going to have some issues, right? That can cause issues for you. So one of the things that you can do is uh, there is one leafy green that I like to swap spinach for, which is called arugula. Mm, yeah. Bitter for the liver. Arugula is great. And it's super low oxalate, still a leafy green. It's got potassium, folate, vitamin K, uh, vitamin C, and it's a rich source of calcium. So it's a rich source of bioavailable calcium. And when you look at something like spinach, let's just stay with spinach for a sec. If you look at spinach in a package of spinach at the store and you see that it has that much calcium in it, that calcium is not bioavailable, it's bound up. So it's not actually something you can even count toward your daily total. Right, exactly. People don't get that. Even with protein, plant-based protein, it's not the same. 40 grams of uh, pea protein is not the same as 40 grams of red meat. It's because the anti-nutrients block some of that. So yeah, arugula is terrific. I, I also am a big fan of arugula. Plus, it's a bitter. Bitter helps support your liver to produce bile, breaks down fat, all good things. Just don't put arugula in your smoothie. I don't think that'll taste that great. Uh you also are a fan of coconut oil. Uh, I've heard you speak about that. So why do you love coconut oil? Coconut oil is, is awesome. I mean, it's considered obviously one of the healthiest foods on the planet. Over 1,500 studies showing its benefits. It's good for energy, weight, brain function, heart health, memory, skin, hair, teeth, gut, gut and bones, right? So uh, for bones, there were some studies that even looked at the use of virgin coconut oil can not just be helpful in the protection against bone loss, but also in the actual improvement of bone structure. Uh, part of that can be due to the, the polyphenols that, that are in coconut oil, which are gonna help protect cells and tissues from damage, right? But the other reason coconut oil is great is you've got the type of fatty acids, which your audience is probably already familiar with, MCTs, medium chain triglycerides, and they're metabolized differently than other fats, 
right? They go straight to the liver. They're converted instantly into energy and ketones. Ketones are an efficient, clean burning fuel source for the body. But the other thing we were talking about gut health earlier is coconut oil has antimicrobial and antifungal effects. Close to 50% of the fatty acids in coconut oil are lauric acid. And when the body digests lauric acid, it forms a substance called monolaurin. And both lauric acid and monolaurin can help fight bad bugs, pathogens, and the same bacteria that causes staph infections, C. diff, and the same candida yeast that causes oral thrush, right? So that could be a great addition to add in that a lot of people are probably already incorporating uh, it's on a ketogenic diet. Yeah, yeah, you've sold anybody who's not doing that. So add in some coconut oil, you can cook with it, put it in your coffee. If you're going to have coffee or tea or just take a tablespoon during your fast, it won't break your fast. What are the do's and don'ts of calcium supplementation? Ideally, we're trying to get as much as we can from our food first, right? That's, that's the first thing we're trying to do. Calcium supplementation, I'm not a big fan, over 500 milligrams of calcium supplementation a day. Um, if somebody is trying to restore their bone loss, right? You have to have calcium present to help rebuild that bone. It's just something that has to be there. Calcium and protein have to be present. And you're, if you're trying to get as much as you possibly can from your food, you might still be falling short, and especially if you still have digestive issues. So it could be a situation where supplementing calcium can be helpful. You said not to exceed 500 milligrams of calcium supplementation per day. Is that what you said? Ideally, I, I would not be a fan of more than 500 milligrams supplemented calcium day, but the absolute max would, you wouldn't really want to go over that, but 800 to 1000 milligrams a day. But when you're at that level of calcium supplementation, you're increasing your cardiovascular disease risk, calcification, and risk for kidney stones. That's why try to get as much as you possibly can from your food first, and then close the gaps with supplementation if and when necessary because you will increase the risk of those, uh, those things I just talked about. So I want to hear your favorite calcium foods for bone health. Before you share that, what is your favorite source of the calcium supplement if somebody is going to take that? MCHC is a great form, and that's microcrystalline hydroxyapatite is the form of calcium. And that can be, it's basically like bone meal, right? So if, you've, if you're taking bone meal, that's not just going to have calcium in it. That's going to have all the other nutrients that you need to support healthy bones in it. So if it's got proteins, it's got traces of non-calcium phosphorus minerals that support bone health. It may not be absorbed as well in those that have low stomach acid. And in some situations, it's, it's too high in phosphorus for people who need to avoid it. So it does contain collagen in that MCHC, which most people can use more of. But if you develop calcium oxalate kidney stones, you're going to want to avoid the collagen, right? So calcium citrate in that case is a highly absorbable form, even with low stomach acid. It's good for people who need to avoid phosphorus, like those people with kidney disease, maybe. And it's better suited and it has a pretty, pretty good safety record for people with low stomach acid, too. Why do you want to avoid collagen for calcium oxalate kidney stones? Just because of the way that that can be metabolized it could increase uh, the risk of kidney stones. Col collagen in general? Yeah, because of the hydroxyproline content. Huh, interesting. Okay, I didn't know that. All right. What about your favorite calcium-rich foods? In terms of calcium-rich foods, dairy obviously is going to be a great source of calcium, but for a lot of people, that's going to be inflammatory, right? If you have maybe an autoimmune condition that you're trying to overcome or you have issues with, that might not be a part of your dietary approach, right? Cow dairy specifically, right? Specifically, yeah, that cow dairy. But you know, you could you could supplement with whey protein could be an option. You've got uh, goat milk protein or camel milk or some of those other ones. Those may be a little bit easier to digest and and to work with. You know, whatever you're dealing with, that could be an option. Cultured dairy could be helpful, like kefir, for example. Kefir, fermented dairy, and then also hard cheeses or aged cheeses, those that have really low lactose levels. Uh, so that, that's not going to be an issue for you. Leafy greens uh, would be an okay source, but they're not as bioavailable as dairy. So in terms of calcium, so even with arugula, arugula is a great source, but it's not going to be as bioavailable as dairy. Cruciferous vegetables, that can be a source of, of calcium, but 
and, and that actually has good bioavailability, pardon me. And then seeds and almonds, that's, you know, pro you've got to properly prepare, you've got to soak, you've got to sprout. There's a lot of stuff and a lot of people can't tolerate nuts and seeds also. Uh, but then another good option is canned bone-in fish. That's a fantastic option. Sockeye salmon, uh, Vital Choice is a great brand. Sockeye salmon, sardines, mackerel, those are all you know, great sources of calcium because they not only have all the things that your bones need, but they also have protein and they have omega-3s, which are going to help dampen inflammation. So uh, if you go get some canned bone-in fish, you got to make sure that the bones are actually in them, but that could be a great addition too. Yeah, that's a great list. All of that is keto-friendly, by the way, so it won't knock you out of ketosis. Yeah, cow dairy might be inflammatory, but I, I do think sheep and goat is a good option. And, and plus, 30% of um, goat and sheep dairy is MCT oils, which actually could help your body produce ketones. So that's a win-win. I love the idea of um, sockeye salmon with the bone in, vital choice, great suggestion. This is great, man. I've got a lot of notes here that I'm going to study, <laughs> so thank you for that. I want to ask you about your Stronger Bones plan. And I know you also have actually an incredible masterclass, a 50-minute masterclass where you deep dive into this topic and you're going to offer it to the keto campers for free. But share a little bit about that and your plan that you, that you work with your clients and patients. Yeah, absolutely. So usually when we're working with anyone, the first thing we do is a lot of times when people come to us, they usually are saying, hey, I'm doing this one thing here or I'm, I'm trying this supplement, or I just bought this device. And they have all these tactical pieces that they put together, but that's not a plan. And if you rely on just a single supplement, or you rely on just a single device, you may come to be a year or two down the road and have had more bone loss because you didn't create a strategy around that. And that's really what we do at Bone Coach is we zoom people out and we focus them on developing a strategy that Number one, first and foremost, addresses root cause issues. So we have to get to the underlying issue to address it. Then we focus on you know, the diet, the digestion, the absorption. And then we focus on all the things that play into building and optimizing your bone strength and preventing fracture and injury long-term. And we've got an entire team of credentialed experts that are contributors here. So it's not just me. We've got a team of about 12 people, many of which are highly respected uh, experts in their field. So uh, we've got you know, an educator at the Institute for Functional Medicine who works in women's health and hormones. We have an osteoporosis exercise expert who advises the largest bone health organizations out there. We've got a dietitian who's also a, a chef and a university professor. We've got a Harvard PhD who does stress and sleep and all these other things. And we've just got quite a few people that come together to really quarterback and help people get the right plan in place. And uh, that masterclass that you talked about, we're going to offer that free to your community uh, to get access to that. And it's going to walk them through the initial part of that process, the actual step-by-step -step of what they need to do to get started, um, no matter where they are in their bone health journey, right? So I think that's a great starting point for anybody anybody who's interested in improving their bone health. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I, lo I love what you're doing. I love that you have uh, so many credentialed experts on your team. Uh, and and yeah, everybody go get signed up for it. So if you go to the podcast notes down below, we'll drop the link right at the top or on the YouTube video, we'll drop the link right at the top of the description of this video. Get registered for it. It's free. It's going to give 50 minutes of information that's going to be unlike anything you've come across before. We've kind of scratched the surface on today's conversation, but if you really want to deep dive and get a plan, that's where you want to go. And even if you're 30 years old or 35, male, female, and you have strong bones right now, it's still a good idea to be proactive instead of reactive because we're all going to age and it's naturally to lose bone. But what if you could prevent that from actually being an issue, right? Isn't it important, Kevin, right here to be proactive no matter how old you are? Absolutely. I hear all the time, especially from the women that are 60s, 70s, things like that, they always are saying, I wish I would have met you 20 years ago. Or, you know, I wish I would have done something sooner. It's easy to have competing priorities and to put things off until you reach a critical point. But it's always better to get ahead of it before you get to that critical point. That's right. Yeah, uh, it's so important. Because when you when somebody I mean, you know, this better than I do. But when somebody fractures a bone, they break a hip, they're quality of life is dramatically decreased. I mean, they're pretty much homebound. 
They can't do all the things they were doing before. It really it disrupts your entire life. And why would you want to even get to that point? There are millions of people who are getting to that point, but that doesn't have to be you. You don't have to be a statistic. So Kevin, thank you for your work. Um, you can learn more about Kevin, by the way, on his website, which is bonecoach.com. Anywhere else you want to send them to, Kevin? Oh, bonecoach.com and then the link in the show notes to get them to the, the masterclass if they want to take advantage of that while it's free. That's fantastic. Uh, that's free to your community. So those are the best places. We've got social channels and recipe videos and all that stuff on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, but that's a good starting point is bonecoach.com. Awesome. We'll, we'll put your Facebook and your YouTube in the podcast notes as well. And then also, I want to give a shout out to our mutual friend, Barton Scott from Upgraded Formulas. They're actually a sponsor of this podcast. You probably heard the sponsor listening to this episode and he's doing great work. He connected me with Kevin and we're super grateful for you, Barton. So if you're listening or watching, thank you, Barton. Go check out Upgraded Formulas. And Kevin, I acknowledge you. Thank you for openly sharing your story, your pain to purpose story. And I applaud you and your team for the work that you're doing to help so many people. So thank you so much, brother, for coming on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me. And thanks for sharing your story as well. Cause I went through and read your, your last book and it's awesome. So if you haven't picked it up already, you should probably go pick that up. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that fun, informative conversation with Kevin. Go get signed up for his 50 minute Stronger Bones Masterclass right now. Click the link in the podcast notes. We'll put it right at the top. It's free. Do it, take notes. Share it with your friends and family. Let's get this information out there. So make sure you go check him out in his masterclass, his website as well, which is bonecoach.com. We'll put his socials down below, along with all the timestamps, studies, and resources and everything mentioned can be found in the podcast notes down below. If this episode was helpful to you and you know somebody who might have osteoporosis, osteopenia, or they are worried about getting that, send this episode to them. Share the masterclass link with them, which we have in the podcast notes Let's make a difference here with as many people as we can. If this episode was valuable, please consider leaving it a rating and review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Check out Kevin by clicking the social media links down below. Hope you enjoy his masterclass. I hope you had a fun time hanging out with us today. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.